0: Night Protection Services for making this podcast possible and all the support they provide our cause. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Surviving to Thriving. Today we have Janie Liu with us, and she is a author and a purpose coach, but also a songwriter and musician by trade, which is really kind of cool. She has her own business and is going to talk about the challenges of entrepreneurship along with several other guests that we've had that have talked about that and the struggles that come along with it. She has a daughter and husband. Uh, she's been married for 18 years. I find that incredible. Um, that's a, a great accomplishment. Um, an awesome thing where we kind of connected was that she was involved in a anti-sex trafficking organization back in 2008 to 2013 here in Atlanta. Um, and obviously we've talked about how um, sex trafficking overlaps with domestic violence, so we 're going to talk about that as well. But Janie, I just want to give you a chance to talk about yourself and to give us a little bit more background.
1: Hi, yes, Heather. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it i 'm um, a purpose coach, and um, as you said earlier i 'm also a songwriter, musician by trade. I own my small record label. How I got on this path was it 's actually been almost two decades now of a very wild journey of trying to figure out how to thrive as a musician and artist with my business and realizing that there is so much more to the journey than just putting out products and art and things like that. So um, I want to start by um, going back to 2008. um, I had released an album and was doing some shows when I found out through my church that Atlanta was one of the number one cities for trafficking in the U.S. and As many people go through, I was really shocked by that, and at the time, I think I was really just trying to get information and understand how can I help, how can I get involved. As someone who had never been in anything like this, I couldn't just jump right in. So a lot of it in the beginning uh, involved research, um, understanding who to connect with, with nonprofits and churches, and the thing that really impressed me with the church I was going to at the time was they... We're integrating with um, three levels. They were focusing on um, awareness, mm-hmm. a company that focused on that, and then government legislation. And then lastly, aftercare. So I saw firsthand, wow, they're looking at this on multi dimensions. They're not looking at it as just one thing. So I was really impressed by that. And that's what I started looking into and getting to know people before I did anything else.
0: Yeah, uh, that's amazing. I think that. Um when churches get involved in things especially you know larger churches they definitely can make an impact in different organizations um we had a guest on here she was actually our first interviewee uh she was part of um a21 and she found out about it through her church as well so i'm like did they go to the same church at the same <laughs> presentation?
1: <laughs> I'm very familiar with A21, and yes, I know they're different organizations, but they all seem to have sort of the same aim, and I think it's it's really great.
0: Definitely, and they it
1: overlaps
0: with domestic violence so much just because of the same struggles that everybody goes through that are either that have been sex trafficked or victims of domestic violence. They end up homeless if they get out. Uh, they have nowhere to go, no family to turn to. They've been isolated depression anxiety all of those things so the aftercare i think is huge even more so than awareness and and things like that just because people are aware that it happens you know nobody really wants to admit that it happens either sex trafficking or domestic violence but at least people know that it's there but there's not really any aftercare that goes into these women So let's talk a little bit about the songwriting and the musicians and the record label or the um, record store that you have and just kind of how you got started in that since that kind of is the beginning since it was, you know, almost two decades ago when you started that. So
1: yes, yes, actually, um, my journey goes back to the late 90s. When I was in school, I actually started off going to Emory University. Typical Asian-American path, you know, go to a good liberal arts school. And I couldn't shake the feeling that I wanted to do music all my life. And I had been heavily involved in it in high school. So about midway through my college career, um, I found uh, that there was an audition process for a school in Nashville, Tennessee, called Belmont University. And they had a commercial music program Um, So I ended up transferring um, probably about 97, yeah it was early 97, and so from there I started to finally study what I wanted to do all my life. It was not just a music program where you're studying, as much as I respect classical musicians, that was not what I was passionate about. Mm -hmm. So I got to finally start learning different things, commercial styles, Um, I really loved alternative music. So that was, I was into that. And that was such a time when the female songwriter was really, really being highlighted in the mainstream music industry. So I was really blessed to do that and intern in different fields. But something that I could never shake was that there were things I was doing at Emory with sociology that were still a part of me, and they didn't seem to connect. With the musicianship and all those things, I was passionate. About. So I wouldn't see till much later these things are actually all integrated. Yeah. So that's um, but I actually I came back to Atlanta after graduating, and um, that's actually a little bit of where the journey of my book began. Is I I thought that I would uh, get a job, work by day, you know, typical uh, nine to five, eight to five corporate job, and then record and write and play gigs at night and it didn't turn out like that at all. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was the beginning of a very uh wild journey for me and it's only been in the last couple of years that I finally started putting the pieces of the puzzle together of the purpose of my life.
0: What ha- like so you came back to Atlanta did you open up so you you said that you got a job but did you then open up a business on the side or was it kind of like you got a job you did that and
1: then the business kind um, of built? I started, uh, I'd worked in different jobs in different fields. I'd been business, uh, nonprofit, faith-based, non-faith-based, just to pay the bills. And at the time, my husband and I, we weren't, we weren't married yet. Um, and he, this is actually something that I think is really key, even with what you guys do. It was kind of the strangest thing because I wanted to be married, but he said, I want you to have a few years on your own to make decisions on your own, and, and you know, I worked a job, I paid all of my own bills, and I, I joked with him, I said later, you know, you basically gave me permission to leave whenever I, <laughs> I needed to. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he was always very supportive of my music, and so from the get-go, even before we were married, um, he helped me open a small record label, and at the time, because I couldn't afford to do much I, while I was working, I was recording demos. And then by the time we had gotten married um, and he said, I think you should, you should quit your job for a while and really focus on music full time. So that's what I did. And um, demos became um, opportunities to make albums. And then from there started playing gigs. The industry itself and the business, I ran into a lot of challenges and um, also a lot of business relationship difficulties. As you know, the music industry is very volatile. So going through that uh, gave me a tougher skin to realize, okay, these are some of the things I need to learn and get out of the naivety that um, I had from that as well. It was a really frustrating journey at times, trying to figure out how to thrive in this business, but then also recognize by the time we came to 2008 and I'd released my first album and done a few gigs, how can I put this together um, with addressing social justice issues. And from there, it just ballooned into, as I got to know more organizations and teaming up with them, it became me playing for Lobby Day at the Capitol with several organizations who were very respectfully lobbying to create a law that would actually go after the perpetrators when it came to sex trafficking or protecting victims. Um, It became joint project charity compilation um, I was the project coordinator for charity compilation of a project called price of life in New York city. And that was towards the tail end of it in 2013. So the whole thing just really taught me so much about what you can do when you unify with organizations and what you do most of all, especially with a lot of people in this business, when you, when you put away your ego, because this wasn't about me, music suddenly became a tool Um, It became a message instead of a product, and I really loved being a part of that.
0: I know you said that you heard this message at your church, but had you kind of like learn about sex trafficking in the the music industry, I know that it's, I mean, it's huge in, you know, people who are wealthy and part of the 1% and part of the music industry and and sports and in that lifestyle. Did you kind of get introduced to it that way, or was it really the the first not the first time, but maybe when you really started to want to get active in the um, in anti sex
1: trafficking at the church, or was it through music? Sure. Um. Actually, it was a very organic process. When I first started finding out about the issue through the different organizations, I started connecting with more people. At the time, I think, you know, Facebook and those other social media outlets were still pretty new, but it started to spread. So uh, one of the organizations that I had gotten together with was Beloved. That was out of Miami. And I think they might have changed since then. But the organization was run by an actual former sex worker. And she said that was the term because she had been in an industry that she knowingly went into, but was able to educate me on what happens with a lot of these young women who are lured into this kind of industry and lifestyle. So it really taught me a lot uh, that trafficking wasn't just about, it definitely involves situations where people are kidnapped in broad daylight, but there's also this other sinister aspects of people who feel like they have no other choice and they willingly go into it, but that's a bondage in itself. So getting to know different people through the organizations like i said it started with my church but because i got involved one thing led to another and i really wanted people to understand the inside of this dark world that was going on
0: the i think that's amazing that's exactly kind of what our mission is is to just expose everything that happens you know nobody goes into a dangerous situation willingly, you know, and, or nobody tries to be in a, in a dangerous situation, but they feel like they have no other choice. And it's the same in domestic violence. You get into this relationship and, you know, you don't go on the first date and the guy says, oh, hey, I'm going to physically abuse you for our, the entire relationship. So will you go no. out with me? You know, it, it builds, it, it gradually builds and these women, you know, you fall in love with the guy and then you've, you feel like there's nothing else that you can do. This is just how it is and that there's nothing, nothing that really helps you get through it or get out of that situation. That's right. So let's go into a little bit about what a purpose coach is. I know that's a huge, that's what you do now, I believe. Let's just talk a little bit about what that means. A lot of people don't know what a purpose coach is
1: going through this whole journey that i've shared a little bit with you about um, i finally discovered that each of us has what i call a 3d purpose and it's been hard for me to articulate over the years because i was still trying to figure out how do i communicate this to people but really all it is in a simple way of talking about it is that each of us has clues along our journey in life like a puzzle piece of what we're meant to be three-dimensionally instead of one-dimensionally in our jobs i think so many times, as Americans or Westerners, even the very first thing about our identity is what do you do? You know, what's your job? You go to other countries; they don't care about that. You know, you could be a mom. You know, you could be—they're—they're they're more interested in the day-to-day. Whereas here, so much of your identity is what your job is, and what I really want to help people break free from is this idea that you are tied to one thing, and that's all you do, um, whether that's a doctor, engineer, business owner. Well, you're so much more than that. And I've really had to take this really hard, dark, often dark times journey to discover, wow, music is not the only aspect of what I do. And business and entrepreneurship is also not the only thing that I do. So finally realizing, wow, this is something I can do where I can actually help people see and begin to formulate programs that show people you can actually be embodying all of those things.
0: Before we started recording, you talked about finding their 3D person.
1: What's a little, what does that mean? Well, a lot of times finding your 3D purpose, I broke it down into three different things. And one is obviously the trade part, which I already shared with you. We have something that we're good at that we go to school for, or that's our primary thing. We own a business or <clears throat> we work for a corporate company. But the second part is knowing the purpose you're supposed to be launched into. That's where a lot of people miss it. And if we knew how to tap into that and recognize, okay, we have something that is inbred within us, that we can actually do good with that purpose and with that trade. And the last part of it, the 3D part, is what I call um, creative. Obviously, I'm a creative because I'm an artist, but there really is creativity in within all of us, and you don't have to be an artist or in that kind of field to bring that out. So. As you saw, I'd written a book recently about thriving at work. That's an example. An album is an example. But for some people, it might be technical innovations. You know, it might be invention solutions that you come with that come up with at your work. So, what I really want to try to do is help people figure out how to put all those pieces together so you're living in your full purpose and not just one. And trying to figure out like, why are these two aspects being denied? Right. So you mentioned your
0: book, uh, I want to go into that a little bit. It's called "The Power of Inclusion: Seven Stages to a Highly Thriving Work Culture. What is your book about? How did it come to be what it is?
1: Well, my book came about observing people in different workspaces, as I said, whether it's corporate, business, profit, nonprofit, I'm seeing the same thing happen across uh, work culture and it really boils down to relationships. So I started thinking about what people are struggling with. And when I was coming up with these little videos, I discovered, okay, people talk a lot about working in a toxic work environment, Mm -hmm. or how can I get along better with my boss? So they're looking at the day-to-day details, but they're not seeing the entire purpose around what's going on with dynamics. And so I felt with The decades of experience I had working in these different environments, I really wanted to break it down for people and say, hey, look, that's actually not what the issue is. If you were to look at it kind of like um, the movie, The Matrix, there's a whole other world (laughs) that exists that people don't know about. It helps to see and break it down. If you could see a grid of what's actually going on at your workplace, and you're going to be empowered, to understand, okay, how can I not only thrive better, but how can I improve the environment for everybody else around me? So the seven stages, and they're um, sequential, meaning they have to start, it really starts with a culture of honor that I think we've lost a lot in our society, understanding authority and how it's built, um, how it's designed to work. And I think a lot of my experience, even in business, which I had to learn the hard way, was not understanding authority and not understanding how to deal with the own issues that I had. So... Rather than working on self-development, like I see so many other people doing with their coaching programs, I wanted for people to be able to see when you start with a framework of understanding authority, that's going to build on everything else. And that's what's going to create the kind of freeing culture that will allow everybody in a company to thrive. So from there, building from there and understanding the people around you and honoring them, whether you're an employer or an employee, it goes both ways. Um, then you can actually start to look at the individual issues that might be working themselves out in the relational sphere.
0: Yes, definitely. The, I think that toxic workplaces are so abundant, and nobody knows how to fix them. Because if we didn't, if we knew how to fix them, then there wouldn't be any. So I think it definitely is a helpful tool for people to use and grasp because it, it's very needed. Absolutely. So we kind of went through your whole journey, a little fast tracked. I want to I go back and what are some of the struggles that you dealt with going through this entire journey where, you know, you felt like there wasn't a light at the end of the tunnel or you felt like, okay, this isn't what I was supposed to do. So let me backtrack and find something else to do. What were those struggles and how did you work through
1: them? I think at its core, what I felt like was, I felt excluded uh, that's really the whole title of the book, uh, The Power of Inclusion. I really felt like I lived the situation of so many people where you work so hard and you try to use your gifts to the best of their abilities, but you feel like there's this, I don't want to go into discussion of it too be, too much about the glass ceiling, but you know what I'm saying, where there's this, this wall that you seem to keep hitting. And I realized that in my own journey with everything that I've tried to do and understanding, okay, being a woman, being the minority and and all of those aspects, I think people really feel like they get caught in that identity when that was not um, how it was meant to be at all. And so coming out of that and realizing through my faith what my true identity was, and being able to go into so many new places and spheres that really wasn't so much of my own doing, but just learning and being teachable and humble enough to know, okay, what can I learn from this? And then how can I serve others in return? really sort of became my mantra. So when I, there's so much stuff that I had to be healed from, one of the things, one of the reasons why I ended up leaving um, in 2013, I was exhausted from touring. Um, A lot of these initiatives were, they were really meaningful but I was also tired from the, it was such a heavy subject matter. And then I realized I had to go deal mentally and spiritually with some areas where I was still enslaved myself. And that was the time I took off to start my family with my husband. Um, I started holding some leadership groups in my office. I realized when I was going through my own healing that I needed that time for me to get rid of some old and really poisonous mindsets that I was dealing with. Even after physically having been in all of these programs that were fighting trafficking, I didn't see that spiritually I was still dealing with it myself. And the progression of talking about the power of inclusion When we see that sense of honoring authority and getting healing ourselves, we can move to progressing to including others in everything that we do. We can't really do that unless we're healed ourselves. And that was something that I had to go through and really force myself to look at. Because I think I have a story I want to share. One of the organizations I worked with, I think it was uh, Back to the Streets. It was headed up by former pimp. And his wife actually was a sex worker in the industry. And they had gone through counseling. They had gone through major um, just redemption spiritually in their lives. But he shared in a meeting, sadly, that there, there are some people that end up back in the situation because it's too painful. You know, it, It's just it's too painful to deal with. You know, you, you can't blame them for being through the trauma and the enslavement. But it just goes to show that when you come out of it, you really need to have healing and counseling because otherwise you'll just go right back to where you were. That was something that really hit home for me. And so now I really want to help people and understand it's a messy process. It's not neat. It's not cut and dry, do this and you'll be fine. It is, it's a, you know, you have to be patient with yourself in that process.
0: Right. Uh, One of the things that we preach on here and just in general in our mission is that it takes women six to eight times to leave a domestic violence situation because either you know they they it's too painful you know they think oh maybe it was me this time maybe I did something to set this person off or you know they don't have the financial means or they don't have the support system when they get out or anything like that or maybe they just don't want to feel the pain of leaving somebody that they love. You know, that that's a lot of what it is, is they love the person that they're with and they want to change them and and feel like they can change them. And then they end up going back just to kind of stop the hurting that everybody's going to, that you're going to go through no matter what. It's just, when are you ready
1: to go through it? That's so true. Um, Boundaries. That's one of the things I talk about that's later in the healing process. You can't, know how to exercise boundaries until you are able to see what's a healthy situation and what's not and so many people you know including me in a lot of business situations because I care about people and I you know I just I never wanted anybody to be upset well it's like well but this isn't helping anybody right <laughs> it's like learning to say no yes it's a really
0: <laughs> yes it's uh, that's something I had to learn a lot of um I was a police officer and you just had to learn to say no to people and, and tell them like, nope, this is, this is exactly how it's going to work. This is how it's going to be. And that's hard to do when you're a people pleaser, when you want to just make everybody happy is learn how to say no. It's huge. What are some steps, if you don't mind going into them of how you went through your healing process, you don't have to go into a lot, you know, I I know it's very personal, every healing journey is personal, but just some steps that the women that are listening to this podcast can maybe start to do to start the healing process?
1: Sure. I know that not everybody can take time off like I did. I was very fortunate when I finished my last tour to take some time off to reflect. The key for me was trying to figure out why I kept dealing with the same hangups and bad habits. And for me, um, talking going back to the authority situation, Um, I'm really fortunate that I didn't run into more issues with authority when it came to the workplace or, you know, it could, it could rear itself in in any situation. But um, even when it came to my marriage, there were some issues I was dealing with my husband that just for years, they keep cycling back around and I knew it couldn't just be him. You know, it's always a two way street. So I really had to look inward and, Find out why is it that I have such an issue? Because you know, in my marriage, he's the authority in my life, and he's a good man. So why why am I struggling with this so much? Again, going back to what you're saying, there's so many situations where it's so confusing to discern. You know, what is a good situation to be in, and then where do you when do you really have to get out? And for me, um, it came back to um, some issues with authority as a child. I had some abusive authority figures in my life as a kid. And I just I didn't want to deal with it because I thought that was such a long time ago that can't possibly be affecting me now. And actually, it was, because that became familiar to me and was becoming present in my present situation. And I think people don't see that, whether it's their romantic relationships or whether it's at work. And so I really did some soul searching. I did a lot of research, um, and I started realizing some patterns that even went back further down my family line. So it's it's not something that I'm going to go into entirety because it would take a whole day. (laughs) But, um, the, the revelation to me is when I could actually forgive, I actually put, and I put an exercise in the book, um, of actually writing down the people that I needed to forgive. And, um, it was really powerful because this this is one of those things where it wasn't a one-time deal. I had to keep being in that process of forgiving And even going so far as to forgiving people that really didn't have a huge impact in my life, but I could tell in the work situation, this was still affecting me. It was was powerful for me to just let that go and replace that with new mindsets that in this new situation, that authority is not going to hurt me, you know, and what does that look like? What does that even look like? What is a healthy situation with authority look like? I think we all could use a crash course on that
0: definitely i think a lot of people that it, it, everybody it, it just like you said it everybody i think has some sort of issue with authority and i think that it it manifests into every part of our lives it, whether like you said whether it's workplace relationships anything so yeah definitely agree with that so you went through this healing process you talked a little bit about your faith did that ever waver did that ever you know, stop you from doing anything that you were trying to do? What was that? I know we have a lot of guests come on here that almost everybody has said that whether, you know, you have, you believe in God or a higher power, you know, you have to have faith to get through that process. And so just did yours ever waver? I know that there's going to be a lot of women that are probably in that spot where they don't have their faith because they, you know, they've stopped believing in anything that's going to work because of the situation that they're in.
1: Sure. This is real, what's really interesting for me. Um, my faith never wavered. Um, I've, I've been, you know, I've been a believer in God for a long time. Um, I think what happened, which was really surprising, is I entered in a new dimension in my relationship with God, where um, very recently even there were some things that I was going through that he was fin- the Lord was finally dealing with. And I discovered a new aspect of love that I'd never really experienced before. You know, you kind of know in your head when you've been to church and you've, you've been studying the Bible and all these things, but it was, uh, it was a, it was just a powerful encounter. I mean, I've had a lot of encounters with the Lord so much through my life, but I came to an understanding of complete helplessness and vulnerability. I think that's the thing that a lot of women, you get so scared and the fear is where the fear comes in is you feel like you can't trust anybody. And vulnerability is a really scary place to be, right? Because if you've already dealt with it, it's like, how can you, you put walls up as a natural defense, right? Well, in that complete place of vulnerability before God, where I could finally be myself and you know, I had spent so many years in the music industry where you had to have a certain image, you had to look a certain way, and I was just—it was a very humbling experience. Where just as I was with all the dirt, all the mud, all the ugliness, not only was I accepted, but I was like, "Here, here's a path out," and but you're gonna have to—you're gonna have to pursue and, and look look at me for it. And that was that was the challenge. It's like, okay, can I let go of? The past, you know, the past, the reason it rears its ugly head is there's a payoff. And I just, I didn't want to deal with the payoff anymore. Right. Where, so in, in a sense, my faith is the strongest it ever has been because I discovered a new dimension of who God is.
0: Yeah. Did that help you embrace vulnerability outside of your relationship with God? I mean, a lot of us, I think are scared to show vulnerability to, and scared to show humbleness because it is a sign of weakness, especially as women, because we, we feel like we have to be over, overly strong to get our point across or to be taken seriously, help you let go of kind of that
1: imposter syndrome. Absolutely, I, I heard that term the other day and, and I thought, wow, you know, that's actually something I don't deal with and I'm not saying that to be arrogant. It's, it's because of now that I know exactly who I am, that I don't struggle with those things anymore. And I don't try to be something that I'm not. Um, but I also recognize that it it really is, for me, it was a very long process. And the light finally came on very more recently, like within the last year or two. And that's when things started to happen. I started seeing breakthrough relationships and business. And um, it's funny how there's, it's almost like a law, you know, that, that seems to be in effect. And I really want to encourage people to not beat themselves up for not getting it right away because that's just not how life works right. at all. Um, it's so freeing to finally be in that place of okay, so now when I can be completely vulnerable with the God that I trust, that also in turn helps me to have firm boundaries with toxic people. It's a it's a funny way that it works.
0: Yeah, uh, I think boundaries are huge too. That you don't I don't think you get anywhere if you don't set boundaries for yourself and then for other people and then, you know, just build out those boundaries.
1: Definitely.
0: So what are you doing now? What is your, you, you've got, you're a purpose coach. Um, is that a full-time business? Are you still singing and, and writing music and,
1: and that, what are we yeah. doing now? That's the big question mark. I'm doing um, some coaching and focusing. I have a a course that goes along with the book. Um, It's called prime purpose formula for job success, and it's supposed to work and integrate together to help people understand that matrix framework, so to speak. But, um, I I definitely feel a call, like a pull to go back to music. I don't really know how that's going to happen. But I would love to integrate, again, the creative aspects with um, what I'm doing with business. And actually something that a few people know about, along with the coaching I'm doing, I've I've been working on a a novel, like a fantasy novel. Um, It's sort of a fictionalized version of my life um, that I think will be really entertaining, but also very educational and helping people understand what's going on around them spiritually it's is not just this one-dimensional thing in life so um i've been looking um at partnering with um you know different individuals and um organizations for that but it's all again um a process that i'm not trying to rush through so but it's exciting um i I think I wake up every day just excited and loving getting to work because I feel like now it's not about like just trudging through the every day, but there's there's purpose to it. Definitely. Um, I kind of
0: want to backtrack a little bit. It's not too far, but before we talked about um, how your gifts and your talents and everything work together, can we get a little bit, a little tidbit of how that works, how you start to do that, how you start to focus and Learn how to put all your traits together.
1: Sure, um, I realized when I started putting these programs together, a lot of times I tend to jump way far ahead, and people are like, "What? I, I don't get it. I need, I need something simple." Yeah. Um, one of the reasons I started with the power of inclusion and in this formula for job success is most people they can't take this big, huge, twelve-course banquet meal. They need to take everything in bite sizes. And so, what I want people to see is, okay, how do we just start thriving now? How can we just look at our situation? Um, whether it's at work and that's why I made these programs super cheap because it's like, nobody has time for like this huge, big training. That's hundreds of dollars. Like, I don't, I don't have time for that, you know? <laughs> so I, I really want to help people just start where they're at. And then when they understand these concepts that we've talked about and are really starting to live and that's when they are ready to go into, Okay you know, there's personality tests that I'm going to be developing. There's different things pulling from the experiences in life. Oh, that's why I was going through that. That's why I was gifted in that, but that's not connected to this. And help them pull it all together. But I'm finding before I do that, I want to see what people need first, because most people are not even close to being ready to understanding that. They're just like, I have got a mound full of work. How do I just survive the day? I'm seeing this happen every day with people in my life. And that's why I want to keep it really simple in the beginning.
0: Definitely. So, what is the name of this training? Where can people find it? Where can people buy it?
1: Sure. So, a prime purpose formula for job success is um, on my website uh, at myprimepurpose.com. It's https um, slash and then my prime, www.myprimepurpose.com. Um, you can find it in the store section of the website. It's only $6.99. Like I said, it, it's really meant to just be easily accessible. They're four short videos. And they go along with the concepts in The Power of Inclusion, which is also $6.99. Um, they're, they, they're interchangeable. You could just get one or the other. They're, they're different enough, but they can work together as well. And um, for anybody that wants to go further, um, I also have a membership, a monthly membership where if they want to get the first month free they can do that by contacting me directly they want to do an annual membership and pay it all up front they get a major discount for that so um but that's something that they that can be contacted directly with me uh, directly uh for that otherwise they can just go to the website if they just going to get want to get one of the other products
0: okay awesome um so what i know you said is kind of a big question mark but is there anything um, I know you said the, the novel, but is there anything that you're working on, maybe a new coaching program or anything moving forward into 2020 and
1: 20,
0: 2021?
1: Oh yeah. There's a lot of stuff that I'm working on. I feel like it's too big for me to like really put into words, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm excited because just um, to, to give you a little idea, my husband and I love movies, you know, we're into all the superhero movies and, um supernatural (laughs) themes and I feel like there's messages in those movies and I'd really like to see the messages reflect more of how we feel in our faith so part of the novel is what I see something that can expand into something like that that can be really entertaining but at the same time reflect more of what we deal with on a a daily basis and show truth um, in a more accurate way that I haven't seen arts and entertainment necessarily do Definitely. So you're gonna get into the movie business now? Well, yeah. That's that's gonna have to be a spiritual thing. That's gonna be a divine connection for sure.
0: (laughs) Definitely. Who who do you want to play you in your uh, in your when your novel becomes a big hit on the big screen?
1: You know, I I always tell people I love Maggie Q. She's she's one of my favorite actresses, and I saw her on uh, Designated Survivor. I really liked her character on that show. Um, I've seen her in other things too, but I feel like, uh, you know, especially with Asian Americans, I'm not doing this for that reason, but I think the world is ready for a, a heroine character that um, is outside the box and is not what we've seen before.
0: Definitely. I think it's very powerful when we, when minorities are shown on the big screen so that minorities in our community can see that everybody can be who they want to be. Definitely. You have all of these different things that you're working through, working on. You know, you're you are a minority, whether it's being a woman or being Asian American. What is it like trying to navigate in this world being a minority and especially being a woman in general? I know now that you are kind of in this space where you have your purpose, you have everything, but what was it like when you worked your nine to five and when you did all this? Clearly you wrote an entire book about. Toxic work environments, is that kind of what led to it or was it just different things?
1: Um, I think it really is, it's like a conglomeration of my entire experience in the music industry, in the corporate world, even in just initiatives with nonprofits. I'm, I'm sure you see this dynamic every day and the challenges you have to work with there. It's not just all cut and dried as well. Uh, the topic comes about being a minority. I think the thing that this is something I paid attention to a long time ago in my twenties. I remember they had uh, Asian American magazines and things at the time, and even as a young, you know, working stiff, I, I recognize. You know, the reason I stopped subscribing to these magazines is they keep barking up the same tree. They keep complaining about the same issues, and I feel like we're not getting anywhere. And I realize looking back, all of that was so much about wounding that. Need to feel like we need to prove ourselves or to you know be able to be recognized and, and included again in that in that space when when we 're healed and we understand who we are and our true identity, then that stuff isn 't going to bother us. The opportunities are going to come that 's really what started to happen with the music with the the uh, social justice initiatives with anti trafficking is they don't really care what you look like or what background you come from. If they see you're being effective and that you care, most of all that it's not, it's really not about an agenda, but that you're trying to learn and understand how can you most effectively serve in this area. So that was something that again, took me a long time. Um, And I, I shared a little bit about some of the family dynamics, the past abuse that I really had to confront head on for me to really be able to experience freedom. And I think, you know, to anybody who is is listening or watching, um, I really want to encourage that you absolutely can get there. And it might look different than you think. But ultimately, to never lose hope. That was something that in the worst moments of my life, because I dealt with health issues, too. I talked a little bit about that as well. So never, ever lose help, hope. And in an interesting way, physical health can come as well.
0: Yeah. I 100% agree. Um, hope is a huge thing that everybody kind of, you, you don't want to lose it because it's a driving force and everything that we do. Um, is there anything that you want to say, add, or talk about that wasn't asked throughout the podcast?
1: Um, oh, I think you addressed pretty much everything. I mean, I like, I really appreciate the questions that you asked too because, um, in that process of healing um, and getting out of toxic situations, I think people are afraid to talk about that process. So I really appreciate you asking those questions. I mean, for the most part, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm an open book. So I, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we touched everything really. Awesome. Well, I have a
0: few questions that I ask every guest that comes on the show. Um, the first one is what would the
1: new you say to the old you? Oh, that's a great Great question. Um, I would say things are not what they seem. I'm thinking about my uh, 20-year-old self when I was transferring colleges. Um, I remember going to this conference, and uh, one of the seminars was Christian artists in the secular marketplace. That was what the, uh, the seminar was, and um, I was—I had—I had absolutely no knowledge. I hadn't transferred yet. I didn't know anything about music. I just knew I wanted to do it. And so I would tell that person to not be discouraged when it seems like you're going on all these detours. There's a purpose and plan for your life. And it's going to be so, I mean, mind-blowingly, much mind-blowingly better than you could possibly imagine um, if you just trust in the process. And allow yourself to ask God questions because he'll reveal himself to you. and you'll, you'll never go wrong with that.
0: I'm so glad you said, trust the process. I think that we've, every person that we've had on this podcast has said, trust the process to their, their old self, because that's, it's just something that you got to do. And for anybody who's in that beginning stage of their process to hear over and over and over again, just trust what's happening and trust God and trust what, what's going on is so key. So I'm so glad you said that. Um, the next question is, uh, you kind of gave an answer, but I'm going to ask it anyways because it's it's what we do. But what is something that you can tell these women that will get them through
1: a tough time? Um, the first thing that comes to mind is don't panic when you have emotional moments. What I mean by that is that in the process, it's going to get ugly at times and you might lash out. You might... I think the hardest thing for me going through this process, I have an almost four and a half year old, is there were times that, that I, would, I would get ugly with her and just in a moment of frustration, because in my healing, and I'd, I'd really have to apologize to her, apologize to my husband, and there's been so much grace in us moving forward as a family. But I needed to hear that in that process, as we're talking about trusting the process, to give yourself grace when you have those moments. Um, because it's not going to be pretty at times. And it's okay. You're still okay, you know, in your family, your friends, the people who support you anyway. Um, And most importantly, in God's eyes. Definitely. What
0: is a book, podcast, ebook, quote, or anything that you
1: live by? Ooh, that's a hard one, because there's so many good ones. Um, to think about that for a moment. I'm looking at this book that's in my office right now and it's out of print, but um, there's actually, it's two books, but they've actually been my lifeblood when I was starting this process. So it's for inner healing. And it's um, a couple they've passed away called John and Paula Sandford, but they've written uh, the transformation of the inner man and healing the wounded spirit. And those, that couple was really before their time when they talked about the process of inner healing, it was written in the 80s. And a lot of people don't even talk about the concepts that they do. But they've really helped me to understand the inner working spiritually of what's going on. And I can always go back when I have questions about that healing process.
0: Um, And then finally, where can our listeners find you or reach you if they want to hear more about you?
1: Sure. The easiest place is just my, the, my namesake website, Janieloo.com, J-A-N-I-E-L-I-O-U.com. You can find everything from the book, courses, and music on there. Um, and uh, MyPrimePurpose.com is more focused on the coaching aspect. But both of those sites, you can find any quick tip videos about work, as well as um, some longer form videos about the concepts we've been talking about.
0: Awesome, Janie. Thank you so much for coming on today. I've had a blast talking to you and kind of getting to know you and your life story.
1: Thank you, Heather. It's an honor to be featured. I really appreciate it.
0: If you or anyone you know has been victimized by domestic violence, please reach out to us for resources and ways our organization can help you. You can find us on social media at 2thrivingatl, T-O-thriving-A-T-L, or online at 2thriving.org.